We made it to the top 10, Jack McMullen. It is the top 10 prospects at JustBaseball.com and the top 10 that we are going to run through here on the call-up. Jack, this is the best 10. Uh, I don't know. I think I like 31 through 40, a little bit more than 1 through 10. Is that fair? It, it is kind of fair. I, <laughs> I <laughs> We need to just undermine this whole list. We made it to the top 10, and... I'm very excited to go through these players. I mean, honestly, though, I was equally as excited to go through every every span of 10 players. Uh, yeah. But when we get to the best very of the political best, answer from you. Yes. No, but but really, like it, it, there's a lot more to be said on sometimes on the guys in the middle. Uh, but interestingly enough, I think there is a ton to talk about with these top 10 because it's either guys already playing at the big league level that are maybe off to a bit of a slower start or maybe not, maybe starting to heat up. And then guys that are knocking on the door proximity's big here uh, with the top 10, I'd say almost every single player should play or already has played uh, in 2020, except for maybe two guys on here. So it should be interesting uh, getting into that and also just getting into some of the slow starts uh, because I would say Anthony Volpe, who we're going to start with because he's an our number 10 prospect his slow start is very shocking given that, you know, he is still in the minor leagues and it yep. was expected that he'd make a pretty smooth transition to double a given how dominant he was last year. But when we look at the Torkelsons and, you know, the Bobby Witt juniors of the world, naturally we knew that there was a good chance that they could have some ups and downs at the big league level. So it's a little bit different, a little bit of different situations here, uh, but it's going to be fun breaking down each of these 10. Yeah. And a lot of these guys are are close to graduating uh, from the top 100 prospects. So the guys that, you know, are still in minor league baseball or have injuries hampering their 2022 season so far at the big league level, you know, these are the guys that could make that jump to one, two, three overall prospects. I mean, we're going to talk about, uh, I, I think the guy that's going to be the number one overall prospect in the midseason uh, update in this list. And, you know, you've got some guys that are knocking on the door and, and you think, Oh, if only they got a shot at the big league level, but you're right. A lot of these guys, the Bobby Witts, the Julio Rodriguez, Spencer Torkelson's of the world. I mean, they are, they're up, they're getting every shot imaginable to be a contributor. Um, and, and they're just not necessarily doing it yet. So we can unpack that if we want. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a little bit more simple, right? Like we're just talking about guys getting acclimated to the highest level of baseball in the world. Whereas Anthony Volpe, who we're going to start with, has been, as I mentioned, a little bit surprising of a slow starter. I'm not that alarmed. I talked about on the Just Baseball show. I'm really not that worried about Volpe's slow start, but it is something worth monitoring. He is hitting just 176, 304. 363 through his first 25 games at the double a level. He is walking 13% of the time, striking out 26% of the time. He's homered four times. He's swiped 10 bags, but I mean, just, just to remind people how good this guy was last year and really why he was one of the biggest risers in all of the prospect world. 
mean, this guy hit 27 home runs last year. He stole 33 bases. Uh, he didn't strike out much. He hit for average. He got on base a ton. I mean, this was one of the best players in the minor leagues last year. And uh, the acclimation to double A has been a little bit difficult. Worth noting, he turned 21 exactly two weeks ago. So very young for the level and also entered last season with only 34 games played at the rookie level. Very new to professional baseball. So this is really only his second professional season. And it's it's been a little bit of a learning curve. Here's the thing. Anthony Volpe played in 109 games in 2021. He had 68 extra base hits. He had 35 doubles. He had 27 jacks, like you mentioned, and he had six triples between low A and high A. Uh, Tampa, it's not like, you know, you're out in Arizona. Like low A for West Coast teams, that ball flies. In Florida, that ball kind of dies a yeah. little bit. I mean, it is humid as shit. And, and the numbers that this guy was putting up and the distance that he was getting on his batted balls was, I mean, like that does not happen in Florida for a guy that's what, 5'11", a buck 80 at the moment right now. He might be getting a little bit bigger at the moment. But I mean, this was a guy that was taken out of high school in the Northeast you know, granted, it, it's the Del Barton School in New Jersey. Del Barton is is a place that produces a ton of pro talent. Jack Leiter uh, was his teammate in high school at Del Barton, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, correct. Um, so, you know, you're looking at guys that have a teensy bit of pedigree, but at the end of the day, they're playing high school baseball in New Jersey. What are you going to get from them? They never played year round. And then all of a sudden, you know, 2019, he plays, what, 34 games in the Appy League. Um after that, COVID shut it down. 2021 was really the first true look we got at a 2019 high school draftee. And this guy was incredible. So you got to place a lot of stock in that. A hundred percent. And and again, I'm not really going to sound the alarms here. And uh, what, what Volpe was really able to do was, was lift the ball really easily. And he was one of the best in baseball and in, in minors and the majors in terms, in terms of being able to lift the ball and generate that backspin and tap into what is now viewed as plus game power, which is crazy because he's one of the few guys where if you look at it, I mean, I believe Fangraphs has 55 raw power, 60 game power. How often do you see more game power than raw power? It's a testament to just how well Volpe is able to lift the ball. And that was something that was organizational through the entire Yankees farm system was, you know, working on tapping into and squeezing out all of the power that these guys have. He has a wonderful field to hit but it was just being able to tap into it and be able to lift the ball out of the yard because he was not somebody that was getting the ball in the air that much in the early going of his career now doing that. But so far this season, uh, it's been a little bit more pull happiness. It's been a little bit more of him just being aggressive. It seems like he's trying to do a bit too much. And it's funny because to your point in the Florida state league, which is now not really the Florida state league it once was, but in those stadiums, it was always known as a place where power goes to die, where the ball doesn't carry, where it's impossible to put up good numbers. I mean, everyone would take Florida state league offensive numbers and like almost give it a curve. Like if you got a 70 right. in your class, it was really an 80. Like that's what Florida state league stats were. And Volpe made a joke out of most of the same stadiums. Well, and that's why Jason Dominguez is struggling as much as he is. Right. Yes, that's it's the just, only reason. It's just park factor. That's it's the only just, reason. It's just the park factor there. Yeah, Jupiter's tough. Uh, I know he's been playing there. That's where I saw him. Uh, and Jupiter makes you swing and miss a little bit, I guess, right? <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, Volpe, like you say that he's struggling, and yeah, you can see it, you know, buck 76. The reason why I am truly slamming the panic button through 25 games, the guy has an OPS of 666. 
and we know the religious <laughs> background of 666. So yeah. uh, that's kind of scary. But the reason that I'm not slamming the panic button, 25 games. Let's just look at some of the counting numbers here. He's only punched out 29 times. So the swing and miss like is there. It's more there. But than that's it was your last slump. Year. Yeah. yeah, that's your slump. Guys walked 15 times in 25 games. He's 10 for 11 in swiped bags. And he's got, let's see, eight extra base hits in 25 games. And he's driven in 16. I'm not too concerned about this guy because he's still putting up good numbers. Guys are obviously trying to pitch around him or nibble because they know that he is the marquee dude in yep. that Somerset Patriots lineup at the AA level. A hundred percent. And, and it's funny because I always look at players like this and honestly, like situation, this is the pitching equivalent would be this, right? Everyone always says, Oh, the true sign of an ACE is when a pitcher doesn't have his best stuff, but still gets outs and can, can give you value and give you a good start. I think the sign of a, of a good five tool, cause that's what the hope is with Anthony Volpe, yeah. a five tool player is that when he's not hitting, He's still giving you value and we don't get F war in the minor leagues, but he would be a positive F war guy right now, even through this slump, right? He's still getting on base in a slump at a 300 clip, 304. Like you said, he still stole 10 bags. He still hit four home runs. He's still presumably playing good defense. I I haven't seen that much of that, Uh, but you're still able to impact the game when you're not hitting the way you're, you're used to hitting. That's extremely valuable. And I will say the last thing I'll say on Volpe is, you know, this is a huge jump to double a high A to double a. I personally think is the biggest jump. And uh, these are much more experienced pitchers with better stuff. And as you mentioned, who's the guy that they're game planning for? It's the guy that's one of the best prospects in the minor leagues, who is also one of the youngest hitters in the double a level at 21 years old. So I think he just needs to feel it out, get acclimated to what is a much better pitching crop that you're facing at the double a level with much better command. He's a little bit aggressive at the plate right now, which is crazy because he's still walking. Um, But I think he's going to be just fine. And ultimately the ceiling for this guy is franchise cornerstone shortstop. And I don't think anybody is worried about that ceiling uh, not being attainable for him after a slow 25 game start. Yeah. um, Offensive profile. if, If you had to comp best case scenario, is it Dustin Pedroia? I guess like, I don't even know what Volpe because Volpe has more power. Like this guy's going to hit 30 plus in in Yankee stadium with the lift that he's able to generate. So who is that shortstop with good speed that can hit you 30 plus, but not Tatis, but not Tatis. No. Cause he, and and here's the thing is like, it's not going to be 490 foot home runs. Like some of these other big power guys, but the thing is, is Volpe just hits home runs and they all count the same. He's going to hit them 380, 410, whatever it is. They're not going to be tape measure shots, but they're going to be legitimate home runs that all count the same. So Pedroia, as a 24-year-old when he won his MVP, right after his rookie of the year season, um, he had 213 hits. You can see Volpe doing that, putting the other 200 hit seasons, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So he hit 326. He had 54 doubles that led Major League Baseball. Volpe is the type of guy we mentioned 35 doubles last year in 109 games. This guy can lead Major League Baseball in doubles if everything goes right. 17 homers, 83 driven in, 20 backs. What do we what do we think of Bo Bichette with better on base skills and better defense? Bo Bichette yes. is actually I was just looking at outs above average. Bo Bichette's one of the worst defensive. Oh, he's horrible defensively. Game. Horrible defensively. No, oh, Volpe's good. I mean, the arms fringy, but like he moves really well. He gets behind the ball. He kind of he puts himself in positions where the arm doesn't really matter too much. Uh, and we know that 
short stops with fringy arms and range uh, with the Yankees. Uh, I don't have a Jeter joke to, to go right there. I don't have a punchline, <laughs> but Volpe's better defensively than, than I think a lot of people would have expected. He's, he's above average there and he'll be just fine. Uh, but Listen, I kind of like the, the Bichette profile with more on base skills. Yeah. If, if Bo Bichette is the poor man's Anthony Volpe in five years, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> That's the hope. I think, man, that's the hope. And uh, I mean, Bichette last year was 298, 343, 484, 29 homers, 25 stolen bases. The only problem was he only walked at a 5.8% clip. Um, and I think that's something that Volpe will always be better at. He's always going to walk at a pretty solid clip. So, I mean, I, the way we're talking about this guy, this is where I think the common theme through this episode is going to be, can this guy be baseball's next number one prospect? The answer on Volpe is absolutely. He could be in the running. If he, he could, you know, light the world on fire for the remainder of the season, which I think we're probably expecting him to do. And yeah. he could easily make a case for top overall prospect. I've talked to Jeff Ponce of baseball America. Uh, he's been a guest on the podcast and he, he, that's one of his picks, if not his pick alone by the end of the year to be the number one prospect in baseball is Anthony Volpe. I've got another pick that we're going to get to shortly. Yes, we are going to get to another one shortly, but before that, and, and he actually plays the same position as Gabriel Moreno, but we're going to go to Gabriel Moreno first. somebody that man, I feel like I've been talking about this guy for like eight years now. So I, I am really excited to see Moreno getting closer and closer to that big league debut. Uh, Alejandro Kirk's been swinging it pretty well at the big league level. They'll, they'll have to figure out how that's all going to shake out. But uh, as far as we're concerned, we're just looking at Gabriel Moreno, the prospect, and he's a damn good prospect. He's 22 years old, mm -hmm. insane bat to ball skills, uh, good defense behind the dish that continues to get better and better. Probably one of the most athletic catchers in the minor leagues period. I mean, what he did last year prior to injury was, was absolutely phenomenal, Jack. I mean, 32 games at the double A level as a 21 year old uh, and, and a young 21 year old. And he hit 373, 441, 651 with eight homers, 10% walk rate, 15% K rate. That's only a 192 WRC plus. And then he messed up his thumb. And that really claimed a majority of a season. Then he goes to the Arizona fall league and does more of the same and just absolutely mashes bit of a slow start to the year. And now is already heating up hitting three eleven. But what's interesting is we're not seeing the power so far at yep. the AAA level. He has a three seventy eight on base three seventy eight slugging so far. Yeah. I mean, give me more RBIs and strikeouts though <laughs> through, through 20 games. This guy has 16 ribbies and 15 punch outs. <laughs> um, so yeah, the ball's not leaving the yard for him at the moment. We know that Buffalo is conducive to the ball leaving the yard. We saw mm -hmm. it with the blue Jays last year when they had to play there due to COVID issues. Uh, but I mean, listen, I'm not concerned about this guy's power. No. What I've been so impressed by with Gabriel Moreno in the early goings, because he's in the international league with me. So I, you know, see what, what he's doing and I see all the highlights and all that stuff. This guy has an amazing arm. He's an amazing defensive catcher. And I knew he was good. I didn't realize that he was amazing, but I, I do think that he can be an amazing defensive catcher. And Toronto doesn't have that at the moment. No. No, uh, Alejandro Kirk is probably not amazing uh, defensively. Um, and Zach he's going to be a great DH. <laughs> yeah, he's fun to watch, though. I like him. Um, but no, you look at Gabriel Moreno, man. I mean, this was somebody that going back to when he was not even a top 15 prospect in the Blue Jay system. I mean, this is this is a dude that was signed an international free agency for for nothing. Um, like he was not a, a valuable, that's actually wrong on just baseball's top 100. We got to yeah. update that. He was not signed for much at all. Um, and, and Moreno is just 
an under the radar guy that is just mashed, mashed and mashed and uh, has really earned himself uh, now a, a really highly regarded ranking across the board. He, he's a top, top guy, no matter who you ask. And I, I believe it was, it was less than a hundred thousand that he signed for. Did you look it up? Yeah, it was 25 grand. Yeah. 25 grand. So we have 2.6 million on our, we got to update that. I don't know who that was yeah. for. Um, it's 25 grand. Uh, so, I mean, he was signed for pennies and again, testament to just how he could fly under the radar, the bat to ball. No one really knew what the power would look like, but now we're seeing the power not yet this year, but we saw the power last year tick up again, eight home runs in 32 games. He'll get back there. And I'm not worried about it because the exit velos have been strong. The, the, the hit tool is plus. He's going to be just fine in that department. Uh, he just needs to get the ball in the air a little bit more. Right now, the ground ball rate's a little bit high, but he's still hitting the ball really darn hard against AAA pitching. And as far as I'm concerned, probably one of the best catcher hit tools we've seen in a very long time. Um, very and, long and I put him up there offensively with, with anybody, uh, not named Adley Rutschman. But even then, I mean, very different profiles, but Moreno could be right there in terms of WRC plus and just overall offensive production. This is a new era of catcher, man. We're going to talk about two guys, him and Adley, that, you know, are, are catchers that can hit well above 300. A 70 hit tool, future value on Gabriel Moreno like that. That's the type of guy that he can be. He can contend for a batting title and be a really good defensive catcher, which is insanity. That's, it's that's stupid. one of the best catchers in baseball. And uh, what's amazing to me is just how simple the swing is, how geared he is to contact, but still able to impact pretty well. And still just 22 years old, man. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Moreno and I, I can't wait to see what he's going to do at the big league level. I think he's going to be really special for a long time. And trust me, if, if he was, if the blue Jays didn't plan on building around this guy, or at least not building around him because they have their core, but not having him be a, a part of their future, he'd be gone already. Cause I know for a fact that, and I've heard from, from a lot of people within the game that he is one of the most called about names. Cause everyone knows the Jays are trying to win now. Um, and they want Moreno, you know, if you want our star player, we'll trade him to you, but you better give us Gabriel Moreno and the blue Jays that that's a non-starter. And that's for a team that is, you know, was willing to trade Austin Martin, was willing to trade Simeon Woods Richardson. Gabriel Moreno's in his own ballpark uh, and he's untouchable for the Blue Jays and, and for good reason. Yeah, I, I want to see him come up this year. I do. And I think he's going to force his hand at some point in June or July. Um, I, I think right now they feel fine with with the catching tandem or catching yeah. trio that they have up at the big league level. I think Kirk is catching too many games. I think Kirk's batch should be in the lineup, but to be totally honest, I think he's catching too many games. So um, I, I think as soon as they feel like Gabriel Moreno is their best catching option at the big league level, which if he continues to hit three eleven, um, it should be in June or July. I, I think he's the guy. And I think you could see a 22 year old Gabriel Moreno playing in the ALCS. Absolutely. And, and I don't think he'll blank. Like, I think, I think he's one of those guys that has no idea where he is in, in the best way possible yeah. and just hits. He just comes off as that kind of guy. You're not saying that like he's an idiot. You're saying that no. like he's unfazed. No, that, that's what Jeff Conine always says on Outside the Box with Miguel Cabrera, because that's a guy that came up at 20 years old in 2003. And Jeff always goes, Miguel Cabrera had no idea he was in the World Series against the New York Yankees in front of 80. Like he just he just played baseball. Like it just was not you could tell the moment didn't really hit him. Moreno seems like a guy that just simplifies things. And as soon as he's getting the ball in the air, 
and showing that he's hitting for a little bit of power again, I think he'll be up there and it could be as soon as mid season. It could ultimately be an injury that spurs that too. As we know, those are unfortunately inevitable in a 162 game marathon, especially at the catching position. Speaking of injuries though, our next prospects, a guy that would have graduated by now, but has not because of some, what was it like a bone spur, like fragments in his elbow, Shane Boz, like loose, Tampa, loose bodies in his loose elbow, bodies, loose bodies. And, and again, actually speaking to Jeff Conine, he showed me a picture of some of the loose bodies they took out of his elbow that he has to have done every once in a while. It was horrible. It was disgusting, Gross. but he said it, he said it wasn't bad. Like it didn't hurt. It was a quick recovery. It was not a big deal. And he got back and he was back to, you know, doing him. Shane Boz is going to be fine. He'll be back. I know they want to be extremely careful, but the loose bodies and stuff, it's more of just a cleanup. It's wear and tear on your arm, but that's not like structural damage. We're not doctors, but we can attest to the fact that it's, it's not very concerning uh, in the grand scheme of things. Cause you just hear elbow, you hear surgery or, or whatever. And you're like, Oh shoot. And loose body sounds horrible. Uh, but it's really just like little fragments of, of bone or cartilage or whatever that kind of just kick loose in the elbow. Yeah. So I, I think some guys used to call it elbow chips. Um, like just, just chips that kind of bounce around in there. Like I remember JJ putts talking about it. I think he had some elbow chips taken out um, and like loose bodies. You're right. It, it sounds vicious and it sounds gross. And it sounds like they could just like poke through anything. But the whole point of that is, you know, you, you put your UCL at such high stress uh, at all times. You don't want anything getting in the way of that and possibly like, you know, touching a tight tendon and then just ripping it through. So it's arthro arthroscopic surgery. Um, and three days ago, I just saw CBS said that, uh, it, that live BP is next for Shane boss. So oh, he nice. should be back he, very he's, soon. He's that's, that's basically like right there, you know? Yeah. So, uh, he he's unbelievable. Right. I mean, and the, the conversation was before, you know, Boz or G-Rod. And I, I always erred on the side of G-Rod, which we'll get to, and I'll make that whole case soon, but I had nothing to do with with a lim, limitation of Shane Boz. I, I no, You're saying so, you don't like Shane Boz? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I don't like him. I, I don't like him at all. Uh, we have him at number eight, but, you know, that's more just obligatory. The guy's yeah. 22 years old. He He's so good. And what's amazing is this was the, and we can, you know, I'm really sorry, Pirates fans, but, you know, this was a guy that was the, the throw-in in a deal uh, for, for Tower Glass now or, or with Tower Glass now for Chris Archer. So, I mean, yeah. we saw Meadows out now, now Glass now is on the shelf and Boz can end up being the best piece of this whole deal. What's amazing to me is this is, is Boz was a guy that always had command issues and uh, it was somewhat of the inconsistent mechanics and uh, it just could not quite get things synced up on the mound. Then the Rays work with him. And he, and I know like he really put the work in himself and he simplified things, Jack. The mechanics are so smooth, so simple. And it's some of the most effortless high below you're going to see. And again, like the simplified mechanics, it looks like he's almost lulling himself to sleep and his motion has not compromised the quality of stuff whatsoever. No. And we've talked about it. Like it's, you know, you could be frustrated because you say, oh my God, this is so low effort and so slow. And he's still throwing 99 if he went full steam ahead, it'd be throwing 115 miles an hour, but uh, th that's not the case. I think Tampa knows how to get the most out of their guys and simplify things to their purest form. I think that starts at the top with Kyle Snyder as their pitching coach. I think that guy is insanely good at his job. Um, if, if I had to handpick a pitching coach, if I was moving forward with an organization, it's that guy. Um, because yeah. I think he gets the most out of it and it trickles down to the minor league affiliates. Um, so Tampa knows what they're doing with pitchers and, and they knew how to transform Shane Boz. And, you know, we can talk about the stuff all day long, 
the thing that needed to change for Boz was command. Yep. Right. It was, it was always, always command. 2018, uh, this guy was walking five guys per nine innings. 2019, this guy was walking four guys per nine innings. In the fall league, he was walking six and a half per nine. And then 2021 rolls around after 2020. And this guy walked one and a half guys per nine innings. So he totally transformed the way that he attacks the strike zone. And in three starts with Tampa, 13 and a third, 18 punch outs, three walks. Command is here to stay. A hundred percent. And he was one of the best in, in all of minor league baseball at strikeout to walk ratio, which is, which just shows you like this guy had it in him. He just had to find it. And it's almost frustrating watching him pitch, as you mentioned, because he literally looks like he's playing catch. He's yeah. just like, it almost just looks effortless and it's just boom, 96, 96. Well, and it also, it also looks like lights are on. No one's home because he's got, you know, a double deck or a dip in and it looks uh-huh. like he's going to throw up when he's on the mound. And yet he's still dotting 99. And it, that's what was amazing. So, I mean, last year between the big league level and the minor leagues, he was pretty much sitting 96 to 99, which again is just stupid. Uh, this, the stuff is crazy though, too, right? The slider is disgusting. We saw it perform at the big league level. We saw it dominate hitters at the minor league level. Uh, really for, for him, the question was, can he go deeper into starts? You know, how is that going to look? I don't really have any questions in regards to anything at this point with Shane Boz and people could say health, but like, that's the question with every single pitcher who, who walks the earth because throwing is so abnormal. Uh, but the fastball has a ton of riding life to it. Almost 19 inches of, you know, vertical break, which is really, really insane. The slider yeah. is sharp, tons of, of bite to it. Um, and has a little bit of that gyro downward break. And then he mixes in a really solid change up and a curveball as well. So he can give you a lot of different looks. And again, when he's commanding that fastball with that riding life, it sets up everything else really well. He is that tunneler. And we talk about tunneling, how every pitch looks the same out of your hand until it's about 28 feet away. He is a guy that excels with that. And that's why he's so difficult to hit. I'd probably put the change up as his third best pitch. Yeah. I got I to see what we have grade wise. Yes, we had the change up ahead of the curveball, and And I do believe that that's what it is. But I love a guy that has a fourth pitch curveball that he just mixes in five times a game to steal some strikes. Uh, it's just another ode to the pitch ability that a guy has. And, and Shane Boz has really developed a nice pitch ability. And, and that's what Carlos Rodon is, has done in taking the next step, right? He uses that curveball as a taste breaker five, six times in outing. And, and now here we are talking about Shane Boz in that way. Um, and, and we're as high on Boz as really any other publication. Baseball America has him at eight, just like us. Prospectus has him at eight, just like us. Uh, Pipeline has him at 12, which is kind of weird. But yeah. I, I think the reason that we have him as the number two pitcher in the top 100 is just because we think the other guy's ceiling is a little bit higher. Yeah, absolutely. Also, Fangraphs has him at 11 with uh, still long relief risk or something like that. <laughs> no. That's what he's labeled as no potential long reliever. So, um, yeah, just just respectfully disagree there. Um, yeah. Next up is a guy that really, I think, is off to a slow start. Obviously, that's not I think I know Spencer Torkelson's off to a slow start, but it doesn't look like he's he's that lost up there. I don't know what you've probably watched more of his ABs than me. I look at Torkelson. I don't see a guy that's totally lost. But then you look at the stats and you're like, shoot, this guy's not doing great. Uh, and you look at the strikeout rate, not great. He's hitting 149, 267, 264, 
which is nuts because again, I watch him in his ABs and he looks okay. It doesn't look that bad from him. Uh, what are your thoughts on Torkelson thus far? Former number one overall pick mashed his way through every single level last year and now still feeling it out at the big league level. I'm going to die on this hill. Um, I just pulled up my Apple weather and I saw that it's 74 degrees in Detroit at the moment. So I think this is when he heats up. I, I'm serious. I'm going to die on this hill. Uh, I, I think Spencer Torkelson is a guy from Pet. I know Spencer Torkelson is a guy from Petaluma, California, Northern California, where it's beautiful all the time. It's not 80 like Southern California. It's 72 and breezy in Northern California, best area of America there. Uh, but that's just my personal preference. This guy went to Arizona state. Tempe, Arizona is in the middle of the freaking desert. It's hot as hell there. This guy has never had to deal with cold weather. I saw him play in 40 degree temps. He looked like shit. I saw him play in 80 degree temps. He looked like Barry Bonds. Um, <laughs> I, I think this guy, like he is going to be a summertime smasher. That, that's what Spencer Torkelson is. So as soon as the weather warms up, uh, I think 149 turns into to 220. Um, but I don't think, I, I think he's gotten off to a terrible start. I, I think that the stats at the end of his rookie season will suffer because of this terrible start. And the next step for Spencer Torkelson is he's got to figure out how to hit when it's not perfect temp outside. He's got to figure out when the stars are not aligned for him to succeed because the Detroit Tigers plan on playing in November in the next six years. Yeah. And Spencer Torkelson will be a Detroit Tiger for the next six years. It, and it's either the weather thing or he's just somebody that really takes some time to get acclimated. And it, that just doesn't seem right for someone who has such no. a simple swing who really has easy power. Uh, there's not a lot of moving parts. It's one of the more easily aesthetically pleasing swings that you don't have to poke very many holes in. And for whatever reason, he's striking out 33% of the time. Well, and think about this, like anecdotally, his numbers at Arizona state did not scream. He needs to get acclimated. I mean, his first 12 games of college baseball, our first 25 games of college baseball, he hit 12 bombs. Like yeah. th this is a guy that hit the ground running. I, I don't think it's an acclimation thing. I seriously think it's, he needs it to be perfect. Um, it, and I saw him on the Cape Cape is beautiful every single night. You know that, I mean, <laughs> nobody has to wear a hoodie on the Cape. Um, so I, and this guy mashed, I, I think he is honestly a, a summertime guy. He is a baseball season guy. And when Spencer Torkelson hits free agency minus 10 million that he goes somewhere South and warm. Miami. Yeah. Bring him to Miami. Now, but Marlon, Spencer Torkelson. No, but I mean, this guy, I mean, getting into to his ability, a rare plus hit tool, but you know, what's, that's the thing is, is he's viewed as a plus hit tool guy. We have him as a plus hit tool guy, but is, is there any reason to have some, is he closer to a 50 hit tool guy than a 60 hit tool guy at this point? Um, I don't know. What do you think the power is? Because 28 games, three bombs. Yeah. I mean, that's not great, but I still think he's a plus plus raw power guy. I mean, I think that's almost 70? undeniable. 70 power. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's undeniable in my opinion with, with the way he's able to, to hit the ball out, foul pull to foul pull, tape measure shots. He misses balls that get out. What's weird for me with Torkelson is not chasing really at all. I mean, if you look at percentile and chase rate on Savant this year, and he's never been a guy that chases 87th percentile. What concerns me about torque and makes me think, you know, maybe we were a little aggressive on a 60, maybe he's closer to a 55 is that the zone swing and miss has always kind of been there. 
and again, zone swing and miss is not is not a kiss of death. No. If it's egregious or it's complemented by chasing, then you got a problem. But if you don't chase, you have some zone swing and miss, but you pick your spots and you have an unreal quality of contact, you're going to be just fine. Uh, that's what we, we're going to get to Bobby Witt, same thing. And that's why I said Bobby Witt was going to struggle at the big league level in the early going. That's why I thought Torgelson might struggle a little bit at the big league level in the early going. I, I, I don't think he is a, I don't think he's going to be a guy that hits 300. So I, I mean, probably closer to a 55 hit tool potentially, but then here's the thing. He, he could come out and end up just mashing like he did last year. And we'll be like, Oh, I, I guess this guy sneakily is a, a plus hit tool guy. But I mean, so far this season, he's still walking 12% of the time. He walks a ton. I mean, what do you think? I, I'm, I just pulled up his, his monthly splits in minor league ball last year. I mean, again, I'm going to die on this Hill and like, I'm sorry for the hard hitting analysis here with the weather, but in May, Last year, this is his first year of pro ball. This guy had a 776 OPS. After that, 1400 OPS uh, in June across two levels. That turned into a 13 after he got the promotion. In July, at a 900 OPS. In August, he had a, a 950 OPS. In September, he had a 900 OPS, maybe closer to a thousand. So, like, this guy had a shitty May. Let's yeah. see how he is in June, to be totally honest. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think he's going to start heating up, not too worried about it. And just speaking more towards his ability and what he did last year. I mean, this is somebody that's, that's going to be able to get on base at a ridiculous clip. That's not yeah. going to chase. He's going to take what's given to him again. He all strike out in the low twenties, probably throughout his career percent percent wise, but more than palatable when you're doing what Spencer Torkelson is doing at the plate and also sneaky fast, uh, sneaky fast. I, he's running pretty well. He's showing some athleticism. I think he's going to be a good defensive first baseman as he continues to mature out there. I don't think yeah. he'll be able to play third as they wanted to experiment with, but uh, I think first base is kind of the spot for him long-term maybe could squeeze him in a corner outfield spot, but I I'm interested to see what you think about that. But I, I know you watched him get some defensive reps at third. I know you watched him play a couple of games at third last year in minor league ball. He looked fine over at third base. He's not a third baseman at the big league level, but you, you speak to that athleticism that he has. He can run well. He's got a good glove. I think he's going to be a, a slightly above average defensive first baseman. Yeah, I think he could play left. Um, I think so you know, too. Matt Olson can technically play right. Um, yeah. Like he can play a corner outfield spot. So I think that's what Torkelson is. I think, you know, Matt Olson won a gold glove and, and he is serviceable out in a corner outfield spot. I think that's what Torkelson can do. Absolutely. And a, a guy that, really gets the edge over Torkelson in the same system because yep. of what he brings on that side of the ball and just what he brings and the complementary tool set and skill set wise is Riley green. And this is somebody that I really am excited to see what he's going to do. And he's on the mend already. He's already uh, getting closer and closer to getting back to the big leagues. I think he's going to, to spend some more time in the minor leagues before fully coming back uh, on those rehab assignments get going a little bit, then I'm sure we'll get the nod at the big league level. But I mean, Riley green has all of the upside offensively. I think that Torkelson has maybe slightly less power potential, but a better feel to hit more athletic and can play, you know, either plus defense in a corner or passable defense in center. If you really need it, that's insane. Given the offensive profile that Riley green has. And I thought he was phenomenal uh, in spring training this year, really got us excited. And then unfortunately went down with that injury. Riley Green in 11 games had three doubles, two triples, two bombs. Uh, that's a 429 clip and uh, a slugging percentage north of a thousand. So this guy was amazing and he looked like he was going to be the everyday center fielder and then he went down. 
Um, apparently, because Indy hosts Toledo next week, I'm hoping to see Riley Green with the Toledo Mudhens next week in Indy. Um, he just shed the walking boot. I don't think he's running yet, uh, but he's very close to running. And hopefully I see him at the end of the week next week uh, in Toledo. But I mean, this guy is a 20 year old between double and triple A last year. Hit 300 with 24 homers and 16 stolen bases. He's just a better all around baseball player than Spencer yeah. Torkelson. Yeah, he just can do more, right? And and I think that's what's really impressive is the stolen base ability on top of what is really exciting power potential, athleticism that you can see in the box. I mean, the way he really gets into his lower half, the way he explodes on the baseball, he goes foul pole to foul pole. I mean, he can stay inside the ball and and sh- like send it the other way, and it just carries and carries. He can go dead center, and when he goes pole side, man, it, it, it's a mammoth. 110 plus mile per hour, you know, towering 450 foot shots. He's, he's capable of that. He's still 21. And and that's what I love to talk about with Riley green is everyone's saying, okay, you know, I I think Torkelson, it's interesting to see. I know we were one of the the earliest to have green ahead of Torkelson, but I think now we're seeing more publications go green over torque. I'm not sure. I've seen a couple others at least, but honestly, I've not kept tabs on that. But I, I think what really separates green and my argument for green is that, we saw what Torque did at ASU, Arizona State, to, to break that freshman home run record of Barry Bonds, to do all those things that were really impressive. Riley Green is technically still college age, or at least was last year, right? And what Riley Green did to double A pitching, imagine if he was in college, in the Pac-12. He might have put up the best offensive season in, in, in college history, or at least rivaling the, the BESR days with Buster Posey and, yeah. you know, JD Drew. Like, I mean, we're, we're talking about a guy at 20 years old who demolished double and triple A pitching to the tune of 24 home runs, like you said, in a 150 WRC plus. I mean, absolutely phenomenal. Okay. Now, now granted, it's skewed because, you know, this guy has been in professional baseball now for three years. So, you know, professional baseball, you don't have to worry about classes uh, and you don't have to worry about not being able to practice more than what, 10 times in the fall or something like that. Um, so this guy could, could work with the tigers all the time. So, um, you know, it, it's not apples to apples, but it's apples to, you know, another, another fruit. fruit. Yeah. Another fruit. Cause like the larger point is though, it's like Riley green was doing that. Like what a lot of co- like at college age doing what a lot of people exactly. are doing, you know, to double and triple a pitching. Exactly. And, and just the holistic approach at the plate and defensively, he's, he's very, very good. He's mm-hmm. going to be a great center fielder. Um, I, I think if you were to tell me, describe a ball player, give me the stat line of just the best ball player you can think of. It looks a lot like him. Yeah. Hitting 300, hitting 25 bombs, swiping 15 to 20 bags, playing a great defensive center field. That's just a ball player. That's somebody that's going to show up and and do this. So we think great defensive center field. I've seen him in the corners a ton, and I I know he can be great in the corners. I think he can be passable in center. I don't have a strong opinion. So that's why I'm asking you, because I honestly haven't seen too, too much of the reads and routes in center uh, beyond what I've seen. It looks good. I I have to see more to give like that great designation, just because, again, I haven't seen enough of him in center. Uh, but I definitely think he's capable out there to say the least. I just think he's going to look natural anywhere he goes. I agree. I, I agree with that. I trust his baseball instincts big time too. And that's something that really stands out with him. You want to know something else nuts, Jack? He was a reverse splits guy last year, which I'm cool <laughs> with. I'm cool yeah. with that. 1039 OPS against lefties. 
Wow. 874 OPS against righties. I, I imagine 21 years old, 20 years old for majority of the year. Those righty hammers are a little bit more devastating when you're getting acclimated to breaking balls, whereas, you know, it's more sweepers generally from lefties. Although, you know, we don't know what we're going to see nowadays. You'll see lefties throwing 101, but for the most part, it's more sharper stuff from righties, more finesse from lefties, but the harder part left on left is keeping that front side on staying on the ball. And that's what green is so good at is again, that lower half is always under control. He is always using the entirety of his body and that athleticism in the swing. Yes. The K rates a little bit high, but it normalized at 20. Like it was 27 all year. It was never getting, you know, way up there. He never went through these crazy strikeout spells. And I think that's something that's going to continue to tick down as he matures, because as we can continue to reiterate, he is still very 21 years old. Yeah, very much so. 21 years old. He turns 22 on what? September 28th. Is that right? Yes. Uh, yes. September 28th. He's a 2000 baby. We're talking about a 2000 baby here, well, which is crazy. Same birthday as my late father. So I know I didn't know that. So Riley Green's got some some magic going for him, too. That might that might add a, a few brownie points for me. We might have to bump, bump him up the rankings a little bit. Absolutely. And just one more thing on Riley Green, the reverse splits, uh, 1,000 OPS um, against lefties. Are you saying I have to get the popcorn ready for Riley Green versus Dallas Keuchel this summer? Oh, I, I, I'm betting on Riley Green in that. Yeah, oh, oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. I, I'll <laughs> Although, put my mortgage on Riley Green. Kid Coochie carved up the Red Sox the other day. Kid Kaiki. Kaiki. Say Kid it Ke- right. Kid, Kid Kaiki. Kaiki. Kid that Kaiki. is the dumbest social media handle I've ever heard. Can I There's, get that on, on yeah, recording? Yeah, 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 I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a fan of that. I, I like I like him, though. I do like Dallas Keuchel. He's, he's dope. So he is married to Kelly Nash. Is that right? Oh, the MLB network personality yep. or host. Yep. yep. Very, cool. Very cool. Good for him. Yep. For Shout her. out kid Kaiki. <laughs> what a brutal name. Uh, <laughs> coming in at number five, one of my favorite names. Uh, and I think I'm going to say that through the rest of the way here, but Francisco Alvarez, New York Nats. I mean, come on. This come on. guy is a joke. And it was crazy because with Alvarez, when we put him at five last year, it was like, whoa, I, I got, re- I had a lot of people reach out to me that cover the Mets and I got invited on some, some podcasts to talk about it because people were so like, Hey, I like seeing you being more aggressive on Francisco Alvarez. It, once we put this list out, zero Mets podcasts reached out to me uh, other than Ryan Finkelstein, our, our managing editor who hosts locked on Mets, because it wasn't surprising anymore to see Alvarez again at five. Uh, but when we did it last year, People were like, whoa, is this guy really like that? Yes, he's like that. Now everybody's seeing it. And uh, it's it's unbelievable. We, we've seen him put up 110s, 112s uh, in terms of exit velos. He is insanely, insanely powerful at the box. And, and he's only 20 years old. What's really impressed me, though, Jack, is I kept waiting. Okay, Francisco Alvarez is going to slow down a little bit at the plate here, right? Like, Oh, the, the, the level is going to catch up to him. You know, he's going to get exposed a little bit. It's really just not happening. And, and even though the numbers are a little bit shaky in the batting average department for a 20 year old in double a, and again, he just turned 20, you know, prior to the season, I'll take what we've seen from Alvarez, even though he has slowed down as of the last couple of weeks. I'm taking what we're seeing from Francisco Alvarez. I, yeah. Okay. 209, a uh, 314 OBP. So people are pitching around a 20 year old in double a, he's four years younger than the average hitter in double a. 
So something to note there. Uh, and, and people are already pitching around him. And I mean, in 23 games, he's got 15 ribbies. He's got 10 extra base hits. Yeah. Um, w- what this dude does with that frame, he's listed at the moment at what? 5'10", 230? 5'10", 235? This guy's a bowling ball that has quick twitch muscle fibers. I've oh. never seen a bowling ball with quick twitch muscle fibers. <laughs> no, no. And, and it was funny. I, he looks like... Uh, when we saw him at the futures game, but Peter Apple was talking about this, like how he looks like he has like pads under his, under his Jersey. <laughs> Cause he's just so like strong and physical and built and you just see it in the box. And w- what I like about Francisco Alvarez's setup is it's pretty simple. Really all he does is get into that backside, almost similar to like a Nelson Cruz type where he starts upright and then just loads into his backside. He uses this little like toe mechanism to keep his weight back and then unleashes. You talk about the quick twitch fibers. Like he has some of the most explosive rotational and that's a testament to how insanely strong his lower half is, but some yeah. of the most explosive rotational and lower half strength in his swing. And that's why you see him just unload on baseballs to his pull side, but he can also go the other way. He can let the ball travel and he's getting more adept to that and getting better at that. But when he goes pull side, I mean, look out. Your fans, even in the first couple rows of the outfield and left, uh, are, are in danger at times. Yeah. Can we also give him a bump? Because that build speaks to durability. I, he's going to be incredibly durable for his entire future because anybody that's built like that um, is going to be able to muscle through a lot of things. I, he is as physically gifted and as physically unique as anybody on this top 100 list. And he just happens to be one of the best power bats on this list. And don't forget that he can catch too. I mean, this guy, mm-hmm. the, the tools are very evident there. He's getting more polished with, with just receiving and, you know, all of those fundamental things that we talk about with catchers, but great arm um, moves really well behind the dish blocks really well. And he's going to continue to get better and better defensively. So above average defender with a chance to be the best offensive catcher in, in baseball, really it's going to be him or Adley for best offensive catcher in baseball, I guess with Will Smith as well, right? Like who, who Moreno and Moreno, right? So it's three prospects and, and Will Smith yeah. <laughs> for best offensive catcher in baseball. Yeah. Are we missing somebody? Um, you want to count Dalton Varsho who plays center? I think like, I'm good. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, that's, that's the point here. So we're talking about plus plus raw power above average field of hit that I think could give him an above average hit tool down the line above average defense and just all around one of the more exciting catching prospects and prospects period in baseball. This is the guy you're looking at who could be number one. You think on our next update? I do. I do think he could be number one. Um, it, it depends what the guys in front of him do in terms of promotions. Um, but yeah, I, I think Alvarez can be the guy. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking if anybody like is having this insane year, that's the thing. The guys that are still going to be eligible within the top 10 are not having good years. And no. you even look just outside, like O'Neill Cruz is still going to be eligible. Um, but I mean, he's not having a good year. He's hitting sub 200. Volpe is, you know, not hitting much better than Alvarez at the moment. Um, I, I think the leader in the clubhouse for the midseason update at this point, um, if Grayson Rodriguez stays down or if Grayson Rodriguez gets up and graduates is Francisco Alvarez. Uh, I, I'm with you. If this guy that we're about to talk about graduates and I yes. presume he will because he's carving up triple A batters already through six starts. Grayson Rodriguez is, is my number one pitching prospect in baseball. He has been for a while. And um, 
I stand by it. And again, one of the most unique and ridiculous arsenals I've seen on top of the fact that he's 6'5", 220 plus pounds. Four seam fastball that sits 95 to 97. Jack, again, another dude with 19 inches of news vertical break. Uh, yep. Disgusting slider that is plus plus. Change up that is plus plus with some of the most ridiculous horizontal break. It almost is a lefty slider. That's how disgusting it is. Uh, then he has a curveball that looks really solid and flashes plus and even mixes in a cutter. I mean, he legitimately has a fully plus arsenal across the board. And, you know, remembering what like Mackenzie Gore looked like when he came up and we're like, oh, my God, four potentially plus pitches. I think it didn't quite go that way with Gore. He still has been phenomenal this season. And we talked about him and, you know, he has the assortment of pitches. It didn't quite go to the four plus pitches with good command that we once believed. Grayson Rodriguez could be four plus pitches with good command. And Oh, by the way, he has six, five, 225 pounds behind him with durability. Now, I mean, this guy is obviously best possible outcome is best pitcher in baseball. His 75th percentile outcome is top 10 pitcher in baseball. <laughs> Correct. Correct. It's, it's dumb what this guy is capable of doing. Cause you mentioned the command. When I think command of four or five pitches, I think Walker Bueller and, and Bueller is as reliable an arm as we possibly see. And I, I think at this point, Bueller is the gold standard of young pitcher right now. Um, and, and, and Grayson Rodriguez is not very far behind and he has yet to make his major league debut. So G rod, a what fan had everything is like a, a 75. They had him as Nolan or, Ryan, essentially. Yeah, um, there we go. Yeah. Um, I mean, no, this is the funniest part. This is what, this is what fan had fastball, 70 slider, 70 curveball, 60 change up, 70 future, 80 cutter, 60 command, 40 uh, future, 50. We have fastball, 70 slider, 60 curveball, 55, Change up present 70 future 80. I saw the same freak change from that, that they saw over at fan graphs too. I I'm a little bit higher on the command 50 present 55 future. I, I don't know why necessarily they're a little bit lower on, on the command. I, I've been really impressed. Uh, it seems like he continues to get better in that department. Triple A's taking a slight hit, but that's, that's literally a big league zone. Almost when you get to triple A yeah. last year though, I mean, I, I, I saw a really impressive command and ability to repeat his mechanics. And I mean, dude, this guy, he's just, he's in his worst stretch right now in the minor leagues with a three, three ERA in triple a that poor baby. Yeah. That poor baby. Um, yeah. I mean, 103 innings last year across high A and double a, the guy had 14 punch outs per nine and less than two and a half walks per nine. So I will absolutely take six punch outs per every one walk. Um, <laughs> and, and this is a guy that can go out and like in his major league debut, if he strikes out 12, I don't think we're batting an eye. I won't blink. Um, I, I, so we talk about baseball cards and stuff, uh, and how pitchers are not, you know, cards that people really like to collect for obvious reasons. They play every fifth day, injury risk, et cetera. I've bought so much Grayson Rodriguez because I think I could have a chance here to buy what, what could be the next best pitcher in baseball. And I know people might be saying like, okay, well, if you're saying all these things about Grayson Rodriguez, why is he not ranked higher? I kind of agree. Maybe we should have ranked him even higher. But as you see who we're going to get to, I mean, Grayson Rodriguez is literally four. And if you look at the trio that we're, we're going to talk about next, it, it was hard to justify that because I also wanted to see G-Rod pitch a little bit more at the AA and above level. Well, not, not, now we're seeing that. I mean, he, he's made those six starts in AAA and looks, again, phenomenal. Uh, we've seen dominance from him uh, at every stop. Before we move on to the next guy, Jack, I just want to read you his minor league stats over his career. 
21 and eight record, which is, which is, I, I know no one cares about record, but you know, you can attest in the minor leagues. I kind of give a shit <laughs> in the minor leagues. No, there's nothing more commonplace than blown leads late in ball games because they're just throwing any different reliever out there. Another thing uh, as a starting pitcher, having 21 wins in the minor leagues is impressive because not many starting pitchers are allowed to go five plus. No, not at all. 243 in the thirds innings, 252 ERA, 348 strikeouts, 78 walks, 0.941 whip. This is dating all the way back to 2018 in his rookie ball days. Yep. Um, that's my number one prospect in baseball, assuming he doesn't graduate, but this dude needs to be in the big leagues in the next two months. Uh, I think yep. he's shown enough. I'd like to see a little bit more with the command. You know, anytime you see the walk rate jump a little bit, you want to see that kind of normalize and then bring him up. Uh, but I mean, this dude can trust his stuff. And again, the slide, the, the change up, the slider is phenomenal. The change up could be one of the best change ups in baseball point blank yeah. period. Yeah. No, I mean, you've got its future value at 80. That is best yeah. change up in baseball. Correct. What's really fun is that his battery mate uh, or future battery mate is the guy that's ranked just above him on this current list. in Norfolk and current battery mate right now. And, and Adley will be up very soon. Uh, you know, he, he probably would have been on the opening day roster, right? He was slated to be on the opening day roster, but unfortunately was, you know, dealt with, was it bicep or tricep bicep uh, tricep tricep? Yeah. Um, not a big deal. He's already on the mend already playing rehab games and, uh, he'll be up at the big league level pretty soon. Brighter days ahead for Orioles fans. I mean, just the fact that you're going to have Adley and G-Rod, I mean, that could legitimately be a 15-win swing. Like, that legitimately could be a 15-win swing for your team. Not right away, but maybe by next year. Is that crazy to say? No, it's not crazy to say. And uh, My pitch to Mike Elias is bring them up together. <laughs> have, them, have them debut together. I want those guys together for 20 years. I mean, like yeah. th that's, that's the dream, right? Like a, a Wayno Yachty type thing. Like yes. that's what you're hoping for. And um, I mean, Adley Rutschman is if you could create a prospect in a lab, I would go Adley and Bobby Witt are two of the guys. I, I would say Adley might be closer to the create in a lab territory because he's a switch hitting catcher with a plus hit tool with plus raw power and plus plus defensive ability. I look at Adley and if it weren't for some inconsistency from, um, you know, both sides of the plate, I, we haven't seen as much of the production from the left side as the right side. That was one of the only things that held him back a little bit, but this was a guy that I, you know, we looked hard at is the number one prospect in baseball. Each of these three guys that we're going to finish up with easily could have been the number one prospect in baseball. Adley's age also, you know, just the other guys are so much younger with the same proximity but we're talking about a dude that if it all comes together, I'm going to look back and say, damn, we probably should have put him. Yeah. I mean, if, if it all comes together, he's Joe Maurer with power, <laughs> probably a little bit less bat to ball, a little bit more power. Uh, my only thing on Adley, I just want to go through his his junior year at Oregon state. Um, if you, if you so allow me. Yes. Uh, 2019, when he went first overall 57 games hit 411 with a 1327 OPS. I had 17 homers, 58 driven in in 57 games. He walked 76 times. He struck out 38. I mean, this was the guy that was so clearly the number one overall pick. And, and if Baltimore did anything else, they would have been idiots. So stupid. <laughs> it would have been so stupid. This was one of those very, it wasn't very suspenseful uh, when we saw no. you know, him get caught. This is the crazy thing about Adley. He went to Oregon State initially as a kicker uh, and baseball yeah. player, right? He was doing both. 
And he didn't really fully focus on baseball until that like sophomore year. Then he went to the Cape and in the Cape really used it as an experimental opportunity. Like he was horrible in the Cape because he was going through swing adjustments. And I was, I was reading an interview with him a couple of years back. And he was like, that that was an integral part of my development is I went there as a younger guy in the Cape and I didn't really care. I, I wasn't playing for a draft status there. I was playing to just get acclimated, get better and work on some things when it's not in the spring and we're trying to win ball games. And he worked on things, got through it and then exploded that spring through that fall and into the spring and, you know, put up that, those numbers that you just alluded to uh, at Oregon state. So uh, what I love about Adley is, is again, the, the, the bat to ball, the power combination between double and triple a last year, 285, 397, 502 slash line, 23 home runs, 50 extra base hits, 144 WRC plus 16.6% K rate, 14.5% walk rate. Jack, that's stupid. It's stupid. This guy could be the best catcher in baseball. It's going to be, I really do think it's going to be between him. I love Will Smith, but the glove, I don't think is ever going to be there to, to be that quote unquote best catcher, unless he's just ripping the cover off the ball. I think Moreno, Alvarez and Adley, one of those three guys, five years from now will be the best catcher in baseball. Okay. Yeah. Don't forget about Francisco Mejia who just swung at a pitch that hit him. <laughs> he's, he's been, he's been a nice story though. He has he's been, been a nice, nice story. story. Um, yeah. I, I do want to throw Melendez in there just because of the power. Yes, absolutely. I'm always here to throw MJ Melendez and, and talk about a freak arm behind the dish too. MJ yeah. could easily be, be in that conversation. And the Royals, by the way, Thanks for calling him up, but give him some more freaking ABs. He's been yeah. great so far. Jeez, how many bums do they need to give ABs to before they let their young guys develop? Who are they still giving ABs to? I've kind of tuned out the Kansas City Royals. Hunter Carlos Dozier, Santana, Santana, Hunter Dozier, do you name it, bro? And there's Barf. a few others I'm missing. Yeah, vomit. Yeah. Well, the next guy is getting more than enough run at the big league level and mm-hmm. is starting to show signs of life and then some thus far julio rodriguez has been one of the most unlucky guys so initially i was not buying that narrative right we'd be like oh he's getting rung up you know like disproportionately to other people on bad pitches he's getting robbed this and that honestly dude i started watching i was like this guy's just got some bad luck right now and it's starting to even out yes there was just some aggression at the plate and you know that ties into it as well and confirmation bias is really what i thought it was initially but i mean the hard hit rate is elite um, and before we get into J Rod, the, the player and, and the offensive skill set, how were we all so wrong on the run tool, Jack? Yeah, I have no idea. This guy has 10 bags. He's 10 for 11. Isn't he leading Major League Baseball in stolen bases in the moment? Yes, I believe so. And he's 98th percentile in sprint speed, according to yeah. Baseball Savant. So what's crazy is we, I thought we were like stretching it because we put 55 55. And the most generous run tool I saw on him was 55 with a future 50. Like he's going to slow down. I, I really like kept watching video and I was like, do I scale it back? I haven't seen him run that much in person. And I was like, oh, we'll, we'll just run with 55, 55. I mean, this guy is one of the fastest players in baseball so far in terms of sprint speed. How did we miss that? And not only that, he's playing superb outfield so far this season. He's been really solid. Yeah. And, and, you know, like that video went viral of him getting that call up in Scott Service's office um, when they were down in Arizona at spring training. And Scott Service said it best. He said, you look really comfortable out in center. He looks really comfortable out in center. And, and I think the big question for Seattle was who's going to be the center fielder because J-Rod's going to be in right. Is it going to be Kelnick? But Kelnick's not that good out there. It's going to be Julio Rodriguez. 
three outs above average already this year. J-Rod's going to be the center fielder for the next decade. And again, it's because we underestimated the speed. The jumps have been fine, you know, and whether you look at Savant's metric for that, or I literally was watching, you know, how you can use the research tool and go in the center field video. Um, yeah, or like, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I was just watching, just clicking like play and then pause right at contact. His jumps are good, but the closing speed is what we underestimated. And the reads are what we underestimated. Both of those have been good. The reads will continue to get better, but these are the complementary aspects of Julio's game. Like, let's talk about the freaking bat dude. Like th- this is a dude that has put up some of the most ridiculous, ridiculous minor league career stat stat lines that we've seen. And, and I was, this was something I resurfaced a lot, but I loved to compare his numbers to Wander Franco's through his minor league career, they're almost identical. The only difference would be, of course, a little bit more swing and miss from Julio, but it's not like he's striking out a lot and he was giving you more power than Wander. But if you looked at the slash lines, same amount of games, nearly same levels, identical to Wander Franco through their minor league careers. This guy has a chance to be a superstar. What's the word? Revolutionary? Oh yeah, swing is revolutionary. Um, J Rod, I mean, this guy is, he's putting the ball on the ground all the time right now that needs to change because when this guy starts lifting, the ball's going to leave the yard one Homer in 31 games, the ball's going to leave the yard a lot more than that. Where do you see the power profiling? 25, 25. Yeah, I see. I see 20 because at the same time, we've seen him get a lot of hits through choppers into the ground. And he's someone that's always been a higher above average ground ball rate, dude, because he just hits hard line drives. I think he'd probably consider himself a line drive hitter. I want to see him lift the ball a bit more. Obviously it's up way too high right now. And you know, we, we want to see 25 home runs. I think he's 25 to 30, but he's going to hit 300 plus. Like that's the difference. I think we're going to see the strikeout rate drop astronomically and we're going to see a high batting average. And all of a sudden he's 30 bags. Yes. Correct. That came out of nowhere, nowhere. And, and, and legit center field ability. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm so excited about this guy. And I, I like, even though he is technically not off to the hottest of starts, if you look at WRC plus technically 2% above average, which is crazy given that he's been off to a slow start. The fact that the complementary skills are better than we thought is scary because offensively, I don't think anybody has questions. We knew there'd be a little bit of that you know, getting used to the big league level. He's 21. He's barely played above high a 46 games above high a in his career. And he's already adjusting to the big league level. This guy, what do you think? MVPs? Could could this guy win multiple MVPs? Is that crazy to say? No, I mean, that's why he's the number two prospect in baseball. And that's what everybody's dreaming on with Julio. I think best case scenario, he wins multiple MVPs. I think 50th percentile outcome. He's a multi-time all-star. And so far in May, if you just want a little bit of like an idea of what he's been doing through May, 23% K rate, 341, 372, 488. It's 60 OPS, 163 WRC plus. He might've arrived already, man. Yep. I mean, that's, that's really exciting. Really exciting for the Mariners who, you know, they've been a little bit up and down this year, but I think as Julio heats up, hopefully Kelnick can heat up. That team's going to be really fun. Um, and, and they already are fun, but they're going to be a threat. If it's not by the end of this year, next year will be the year where it'll really start to happen for them. Yeah. And I'm starting to worry a little bit about Kelnick. Um, I absolutely am. I absolutely yeah. am. No, I, I'm worried about Kelnick, but I, dude, yeah, I'm, I'm as excited as you are about J-Rod. 
Another guy that maybe not as dramatically turning it around or dramatically taking it to the next level, but has started to show signs of life as well in the month of May. And our number one overall prospect is Bobby Witt Jr. Bobby Wood Jr., another dude with some zone swing and miss. That's always going to be the case. And that's why I said from the get-go, if you go back and listen to old episodes, I said this guy is our number one prospect. He's not going to win rookie of the year, in my opinion. He's going to start a little bit slow. But don't worry, when it's all said and done, he could end up being, you know, that five-tool shortstop that's one of the best players in baseball. None of that's changed for me. And I don't think any of that of that has changed for anybody. We've seen flashes of Bobby Wood already, especially on the on the defensive side of things. That's where I'm I'm just so amazed at how good he is defensively. The power is fantastic. The speed is legit. Um, he's going to be just fine. But so far this season, Jack, it you know hasn't been the best start ever. So you've got a 60 grade on his run tool. He's the fastest guy in Major League Baseball in terms of sprint speed. So there's the athleticism there. Um, yeah, I mean, the hit tool, like I'm not necessarily worried about uh, raw power. You've got 65-70 game power. You got 55-65. I, I think that's where Bobby Witt's going to be. And Bobby Witt last year, was he 30-30? He was the only 30-30 guy in minor league baseball. Is that right? 33-29. There we go. Remember so too, he did he did have one home run taken away from him too. Do you remember that? They said he didn't touch home plate. Yeah. So he really had 34 yeah. homers. That's right. Um, but he had 97 driven in. He was 29 for 40 and swiped bags. He struck out a decent bit. He's always going to strike out a decent He's always going to strike out a little bit. Um, but it, I mean, this guy, like what he provides in terms of just human peak performance is the best on this list. I, I'm with you. I mean, Everyone, I think five tool gets thrown out around a little bit. He's five tool. He is the picture of five tool, right? Like th this is the five tool guy. He's going to be 30, 30 multiple times in his career. Assuming, you know, everything goes the way we expect. I don't even think that's bold to say he's still yeah. going to hit 280 plus because of his speed. Once he gets going, um, yes, he's going to strike out a little bit, but Mike Trout strikes out a little bit. Yeah. Right? Like Mike, Mike Trout, is striking out 23% of the time this year. Mike Trout struck out 22% of the time of his, in his career. It, you can be extremely productive when you have all those tools, you have the quality of contact and you have the defensive ability that Bobby Witt has. What's interesting though, is as we look at, you know, the, the situation in Kansas city, are they going to play him at third for the foreseeable? Like, are they really going to do that? Um, I don't know. I hope not. I hope not too. I know Nikki Lopez is like this wizard. Uh, but I mean, dude, I, I want to see Bobby Wood a shortstop. We, we got a taste of it too. When, when they had the shift going on and he was playing shortstop by himself on the left side of the infield all alone. And he made that insane play. The arm is crazy. It, he is, he is also that, that lab generated player. If the only thing that would be missing is a little bit more bat to ball, but he's in that, that conversation too, of guys that you could just say this guy was created in, in a lab. Here's the thing. Um, he's probably got a lower floor than J-Rod um, yeah. just because of that swing and miss. Yeah. He's got a higher ceiling than Julio Rodriguez. And it's really fucking hard to have a higher ceiling than Julio Rodriguez. Well, when you're gold glove caliber defensively at shortstop, you have a 30, 30, 30 potential. Um, you're fast as shit. And, you know, you also are just, just have that gamer in you. It's hard to imagine that he, he has a, a lower ceiling than anybody. Um, I need to see him walk though. I, you'll make your life so much easier. Bobby, what if you walk a little bit more 9% walk rate through double and triple, even if you could get it to 9% at the big league level that I think that changes a lot right now. I think he's only walked like three times this year. 
That's something I would love to see. So, so stop taking a page out of Salvi Perez's book, take a little bit more out of Carlos Santana. Never thought I'd say that and, and walk a little bit more. That's probably yeah. my only, my only missing piece with him because, you know, trout, that's what he does, right? He's going to, he's going to walk 10, 11, 12, 13%. That's going to offset some of that zone swing and miss. And then you're going to, to run into baseballs. That's not going to be a problem. Yeah, Bobby, our advice for you when you're at the cage, hang around Carlos Santana and see what he does. <laughs> yes. Watch the way he just takes any borderline pitch from the machine. But when he go. starts swinging, stop, stop watching. Stop, stop, close your eyes. <laughs> close your eyes. Uh, but no, so this is our number one prospect in baseball. Jack, he's still 21. I know. 21 years old. Um, so this year for me, was a year where, where the merit or where the Royals look at it. And they're like, you know, we're probably not competing this year. Let's just let it ride. Let's see how it goes and let him get his experience. I'm expecting him next year, dude, to, to light the world on fire. And I think he'll start to do it by the second half of this year. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I, I think this guy, you know, I had that bold take where I was like, yeah, he's, yeah, I think he's going to win AL rookie of the year. And I think it's going to not particularly be close. Um, now I'm starting to understand what you were saying. Like he needed some time to get used to the big league level, but I think once June rolls around, once July rolls around, I mean, we're going to be seeing, we're going to be going on Twitter every night and it's going to be, Oh, Bobby wits at it again. Uh, and I can't wait. Hopefully MJ Melendez will be in that lineup as well. But Jack, we just went through a hundred freaking players. Um, this was probably a longer episode, obviously, because we were going to go through the top 10 and they deserve a little bit more time. But, sir, we just went through 100, our entire top 100 list, which, again, you can follow along. Uh, links in the description at justbaseball.com uh, to, to go check out the whole top 100 list. But, dude, we just went through a full top 100. Yeah, that was a lot. Uh, but you know what? It was a blast because that's what we love doing. Right. And you fucking grinded on this shit. <laughs> You uh, not hard enough, not hard enough. Gabriel Moreno did not make 2.5 million. You wrote the Odyssey. (laughs) It's okay to say that somebody made 2.5 million on the Odyssey, but now we can go change it. That's the beauty of the edit tool. He got his bag from uh, one of those like big league advanced adjacents though. I think so. Okay. Perfect. He's, he's, he's doing all right. He's doing all right. There we go. Uh, And deserves it and good investment too. Um, yeah, that'll do it for this episode. That'll do it for the top 100 rundown. We'll have prospect interview next week. We'll have more discussion on just the minor leagues as a whole. I'm excited. I loved going through the top 100, but I'm very excited to start talking about what's going on now across the minors. Because yeah. a lot of names that we want to get into, talk about that you're seeing every day, you know, in AAA, guys that I'm watching, you know, every day from the low A to double A levels that have really started to force their way into that next top 100 list. And, you know, that's what we're already going to start talking about now is, you know, these guys, as they're making their case, as they're performing, as guys continue to emerge, we'll be breaking it down every single week and keeping you briefed on what's going on in the minor leagues. Yeah. Our, your mean Mercedes is swinging at everything right now. He hits everything though, <laughs> but he's swinging at everything right now. Top 100 update. Your mean 80. <laughs> I love your mean though. Hopefully he figures it out, but uh, that'll do it for this episode. Jack, any final uh, thoughts on what we got going on in Indy? Um, not right now. Indy's in Charlotte at the moment. Then they come back and see Toledo. Hopefully we're seeing Riley green. I'm going to go take a nap because we just went through a hundred prospects. You should go take a nap too. I have a Royce Lewis piece to put out on just baseball.com. <laughs> then I might take a little cat nap because Perfect. I am really excited about this Royce Lewis piece. So check that out. It should be live by the time you're listening to this. 
As always, thank you for listening. If you could take a moment to leave a rating and help us grow that sh- this show, I would appreciate it immensely. If you're on YouTube, feel free to subscribe. We are going to continue to uptick the video quality and video content. Look forward to talking prospects with you on Monday. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.